This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Amen. All right. So the first thing I want to say is this, is that everybody has mountains to face. You, you're awesome, but you're not so special that you're the only one that has problems. And we're not making light of, of your problems, but, but let's get real here. Everybody has mountains to face in this life. And I want to show you something here in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Are we excited for the word tonight? I knew it. I knew you were. I knew it. 1 Corinthians 10. And we're going to look here at verse 13. And first of all, I want to look at this in the King James and then I want to look at the, the NLT, the New Living Translation. So 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13. And there's a, man, there's about 10 sermons in this one verse. So we're just going to try to stick with one. But, but there's a lot right here in this verse. I, I refer to this verse often. This is a verse that I am very familiar with. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, King James, it says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. Somebody say that tonight. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will, with the temptation, also make a way to escape, that you may be able to bear it. Man, God will always provide a way out. God will always make sure there's a way of escape and that you are able to bear the situation. There is nothing that's going to come against you that cannot be handled with you and God. Do you understand that tonight? There is no trouble, no trial. There's no mountain too big that can come against you that you cannot handle with God, right? God is faithful. I'm so glad that it doesn't say right there, there hath no temptation taken to you, but such as is common to man. But God is sometimes available if he feels up to it that day. Or every now and then God tosses you a boat. No, it says, but God is faithful. God's faithful. And we know that. I'm going to look at this in the NLT. It says, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. Are you serious? I mean, I'm not the only one that's ever dealt with. I thought I was the only one. I thought I was so special that the devil created a unique set of problems just for David samples. No, it says that the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. And that word temptation right there, the same Greek word also means trials and troubles. And so, I mean, I apply all of that to this verse. The troubles, the trials, the temptations in my life are no different than what others experience. I am not making light of any issues or troubles you're going through. But what I am saying is don't think that you're the only one that's ever dealt with that. Other people have had marriage trouble, too. Other people have had health trouble, too. Other people have had issues with their kids. Other people have had bad finances. Other people have dealt with that stuff, too. You're not the only one. And if you and we all know this, if you look a little bit further, you'll usually see that somebody's got it at a probably a more extreme level than what you've dealt with at some point. Right. And so don't buy into the devil's lie that, man, you're the only one dealing with that, because. When you start to buy into that lie, 
one, you do start to feel sorry for yourself. And the devil loves to throw pity parties and always invite you to them, right? The devil's always throwing pity parties. But the second bad thing that happens is eventually you start to get this, this sense of shame and guilt to come upon you. You're probably sick because you deserve it, right? Or how dare you go into that church with those holy people? You know what you did. You know what you looked at. You know what you said at work. I heard it. You heard it. Nobody else in that church acts like that. Well, listen, we're all trying. We're all getting there. I'm not saying that we should be out, but what I'm saying is this. You're not the only one that's struggling to clean up your mouth right now. And I know a lot of, a lot of people are. They don't want to cuss anymore. And you shouldn't want to cuss anymore. But I'm telling you, the devil will tell you, no, you, I heard you. You slipped. You, you may have been doing good for a whole week, but you finally slipped yesterday. I heard it. And now you're going to go into that church with all those holy people. How dare you? Listen, you're not the only one struggling with that. Not condoning anything at all. You, you shouldn't. But what I'm saying is this. You make a mistake. Repent. Get back up. Get back into God's house. Don't let the devil tell you you don't deserve to be here. Don't let the devil tell you that you don't deserve to be a daughter of the Lord anymore or a son of God. Yes, you do. And, and, and it's because of what Jesus did. You cannot mess up so big that the blood of Jesus can't possibly cover that. You know what I mean? You, there's, there's no thing you can do that's so big that it's beyond the cleansing of the blood of Jesus. We've got to get a hold of this in our lives. But if we will buy into this lie that, man, I, I'm probably the only one that's, that's even, even tempted with this. Listen, that's a lie from the devil. We're going to overcome it through the word of God, the blood of the lamb, and the word of our testimony. No doubt about it. But don't sit there and think that you're the only one going through something. And you can't sit there and feel sorry for yourself all the time. I believe in compassion. I believe in mercy and, and, and sympathy. I believe in all that. And I've been through some stuff, but I'm telling you, sympathy and mercy and compassion didn't heal me when I had cancer when I was three and a half. I went crippled. I couldn't walk anymore. And a lot of people felt sorry, but the people that showed up to the hospital to just feel sorry for me, my parents wouldn't let them into my hospital room. And some people are like, man, that sounds hardcore. Some people would drove over an hour or two hours to come see poor little crippled leukemia David, bald and, and all this stuff, laying in that little bed in a children's hospital. It stinks to be lying in a children's hospital, dying at, you know, even at that. And that's no fun at all. But I am so glad that my parents cared more about fighting the good fight of faith than seeing how many likes and how much sympathy and how much attention we could get for their son having leukemia. And so they parked one, one of them stood guard at that door 24 seven or one I had, I've got a, I come from a, a long, most of my uncles are alcoholics laying in a ditch somewhere, but I've got one that isn't. And so they would have him standing at the door or they'd have someone from the church. And if somebody came, we just wanted to come see him before but before it's too late, we love you. We thank you for driving up here. Thank you. They're not taking guests right now, so you just have a good day. The next person may come in. Hey, I came to release the power of faith. I came to pray over that boy. Come on in, man. They're taking guests all day long today. It's your day. And I'm telling you, that may sound harsh, but but when when it's a serious thing, when your child's life is on the line, when your life is on the line, I don't care about your feelings anymore. I care about having a kid that's alive next week. I care about having a marriage that still lasts past next month 
Monday. I care about making it through this situation. And so you've got to realize that, yeah, man, other people are going through what you go through, but feeling sorry for yourself is not the way to get to the top of the mountain or to get that mountain to move. And that's the man. The devil's got a tool bag. And one of the many tools he has is this feeling of isolation and saying, you know, nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Nobody knows the sorrow. Nobody knows what I've gone through. All these people, they must have it great. Look, they probably never argue with their spouse. They probably never go through this. All these people over there, they, they probably don't. And that's isolation that the devil's trying to get you separated from the rest of the troops. And it's real easy to hit an isolated target. You understand that? I mean, that's that's military stuff right there. You you want to isolate and, and and take that guy out right there. He's an easy target. We'll get all the rest of them later. But listen, isolation is a tool of the devil. Don't fall for it. Who has time to go to Psalm 34 with me? Let's go over there. Nick, this is Psalm 34. I didn't tell you this one. This is impromptu. Psalm 34, verse 19 Because if you don't love Psalm 34, me and you can't be friends. Psalm 34 is one of the best chapters in the Bible. Psalm 34 is awesome. If you're having a bad day, you just flip open to Psalm 34 right there. It's like Popeye eating a spinach. Next thing you know, you're flexing on somebody. Psalm 34. And I want to look here at verse 19. I'm in the NLT. Psalm 34, starting at verse 19. The whole thing is great, man. You can't go wrong here. But Psalm 34, verse 19, and I love this. It says right here that the righteous person faces many troubles. And it, it didn't say the righteous person never faces any troubles. Who would say that Jesus was righteous? Did Jesus ever face trouble on a grand scale? I believe that Paul was a righteous person. I believe that John. I believe that James. I, I believe that, that there's a lot of really righteous people that I know of. And they, the devil was trying to get them all the time. So the righteous person does face many troubles. Thank God it doesn't end right there. The rest of the verse says, but the Lord comes to the rescue each time. The Lord comes to the rescue every single time. Now, notice right there, it doesn't say sometimes. You've got to, you've got to get this outlook of the Bible where you start to notice the absolute words. There's a lot of words that say, whosoever, whatsoever, every time, each time, always triumph in Christ Jesus. There's some absolute words in the Bible. And it says right here, the Lord comes to the rescue each time. There's not a time that I'm in trouble that God doesn't come to my rescue. He's been there and got me out of some messes in my life. Some of them I put myself into. Some of them were just attacks from the devil. Sometimes other people have got me into messes, but it doesn't matter. Every single time the Lord has gotten me out of it. There's not one mess, not one trouble that I've been in that God did not get me out of, did not show me the way of escape and just left me there to figure it out. Verse 20, for the Lord protects the bones of the righteous. Not one of them is broken. That's prophetical about Jesus Christ. But let's keep going. Verse 21, calamity will surely overtake the wicked. Look at that. Calamity will surely overtake the wicked. Oh, it's going to happen. You know, sometimes we look around, man, it seems like this guy, this guy's wicked as all get out. Seems like nothing ever happens to him. Wait, I'm not, I'm not hoping for it. I'm not wishing for it, but it will happen 
there will be a day of reckoning. Yes, you live a wicked life. Calamity will eventually overtake you. It will eventually get there. And those who hate the righteous will be punished, but the Lord will redeem those who serve him. No one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. Is there anybody in this church tonight that takes refuge in him? I take refuge in him. I will not be condemned. God will rescue me every single time. That's good news right there. And so I'm telling you, never give up. Everyone has mountains to face. And I'm kind of talking about from a mountain climbing perspective tonight. Because the second thing I'm going to say is this. Keep climbing. Keep climbing, man. Keep going. Don't give up halfway up there. You know, I'm thinking about this story uh, of this woman that Jesus told us about. That it's, it says she had an issue of blood for 12 years. And so I want to turn to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. This lady had been in a constant state of bleeding for 12 solid years. No doubt that's an unpleasant and bad situation to be in. Uh, in fact, it says that she was all out of money. She, she had spent all the money she had going from one doctor to the next, seeking out the next treatment and, 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 and going here and there. And, and she had no money left. And in fact, it said she hadn't improved one ounce. She only kept getting worse. And she eventually... She hears of Jesus. Somebody tells her about Jesus. That's step one. Do you realize that? That no matter what you're going through, step one is to hear about Jesus, to hear the word, because Jesus is the word. When I'm hearing about Jesus, I'm hearing about the word. She hears about Jesus. She hears the word, and she's like, well, man, this is it. This is what I've been looking for. And so Mark chapter 5, verse 28 For she thought to herself, if I could just touch his robe, I will be healed. That's faith right there. She didn't say, if I could touch his robe, I might get healed. If if it's his will, he'll, he'll heal me. No, she said, if I touch his robe, if I could just get one touch of Jesus, I will be healed. That's faith. That's faith for somebody that that just heard about Jesus. We've got people that have been sitting in church for decades and 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 they don't get it yet. They don't have that type of faith. You need to you need to get a hold of this that man, I'm going to get a hold of Jesus in this situation and I will be healed. I will be delivered. I will be restored. I will make it through this. I'm going to get a hold of Jesus. And so, here's another one of those definite emphatic words she said if i could just touch his robe i'll be healed and she did it immediately the bleeding stopped and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition look at that one touch of jesus one second of jesus did what doctors couldn't do in 12 years man i know people that get just one encounter with jesus and they do what 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 people have been trying to do for years deliverance and and breaking addictions and 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 breaking rage and anger and and all the terrible behavior what they get a hold of jesus and, and it's fixed in one second what they tried to do for years on their own and so immediately it stopped verse 30 says jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him so he turned around in the crowd and asked who touched my robe 
His disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? But it sounds like my kids in the car. He touched me. Who touched me? Man, it was probably your sister. You're the only two sitting back there. Sorry, I'm just, I'm venting. I've got all these kids on my hands by myself. My wife's out of town. Say a prayer for Pastor Dave. Sorry, that, that came out. That did not mean to slip out. You try fitting five kids in a Prius. Fun times, huh? Amen. I love it. Praise God I love it, but that is not for the faint of heart. Anyway, let's stick to the word. Okay. And so he said, who touched me? But he kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, daughter, don't, do, do you get it? How Jesus views you? Hey, who are you? What right do you have? You're not even, you're not even a Jew when you come in here. No, 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 no. Daughter. Daughter. Son. Daughter. Man, you belong. You're part, you're part of my, get in here, man. Yeah. You're my daughter. He, he said, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. That's good news right there. He said, your faith has made you well. The whole point of this story is this. Twelve years of the exact same problem, and it's never getting better. It's continuously getting worse for 12 years. How many people would have given up after 12 years of that? I mean, and someone says, listen, there's this guy named Jesus. He heals people. I, I, I know it sounds crazy, but I'm telling you, you just get a hold of Jesus. Wouldn't it be the natural thing to say, Tried everything. Yeah, right. Okay. I've been to this doctor. I've flown over here. I've done this. I've seen every specialist. And now some miracle man's coming through town and he's going to be it. No, thank you. I've tried everything. There is no cure. There is no hope for me. That would be the natural thing to say. But she did what I'm talking about right here. She would not give up. And then notice what Jesus said. He said, daughter, your faith has made you well. We get it. It, it, was, it was Jesus' power. I, I, no doubt about that. It was the power of Jesus. But Jesus didn't say, hey, my power just changed your life. What's up with that? Hmm? Tell somebody. No. He said, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over from this point forward. You are never dealing with this mess again, is what Jesus said right there. And I'm telling you. You need to get to that place where your faith is at that level. I'm not going to give up. Well, you've been, man, you've been going, you've been fighting that battle for a whole year now. I don't care. I'm not giving up. You've been going through that. Yeah, yeah, right. You've been saying that confession over your kids for months now and nothing's changed and you know it. I'm going to keep saying it. I'm going to keep saying it. I'm not going to give up just because you think I should. I'm going to keep fighting the good fight of faith. And Jesus said, your faith has made you well. I need to go to the Old Testament for a minute here. Let's look at Exodus chapter 14. Man, Wednesdays is hard to fit a sermon into 40, 35, whatever minutes here. Exodus chapter 14. And we're going to look at the story of Moses here. We see Jesus right here. But let's look at Moses for just a second. Because there's a great temptation right here. Because something happens to these guys that has happened to a lot of us. In Exodus 14, Moses finally gets Pharaoh to let the people go. It took ten plagues. I mean, he said, okay, I'll let you go. Just kidding. I'm going to let you go this time. 
psych, I'm going to let you go. And he kept, he kept taking it back. But finally, it's like, okay, I've had enough. I've, you know, killed the firstborn. It, it was a, he said, fine, I'm, I'm just, take, go, get out of here. You people are becoming more trouble than you are good to us. And so he lets them go. And as they get out there, they get to the Red Sea, right? And then Moses changes his mind. He's like, wait a minute. If we let them go, we're going to have to do all this stuff ourselves. Forget it. Chase them down and bring them back. And so he sends the entire Egyptian army to go chase down the Israelites. And sometimes I feel like I've been in this situation. It seems like I've finally broken through something that's tried to hold me back for a long time. And I'm like, man, that's it. I finally got there. I've got a little distance. Then it's like the Egyptian army chases me back down again. Only this time I'm standing at the Red Sea and I'm kind of at the point of no return. Has anybody else been there? It's like, man, I, 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 I thought, I thought this was done forever. And then that old enemy comes chasing me down again. Well, hey, I'm not the only one it's happened to because it happened to them. The temptations, troubles, and trials in my life are no different than from what others experience, but God is faithful. And so Exodus chapter 14, verse 10, it says, as Pharaoh approached, The people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. They cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Like, wow. Okay, having a bad day. I mean, that's that's some harsh stuff to say right there. and, And then verse 12, didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said to leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. Wow. Talk about people of faith. No, I mean, that, uh, this is a negative situation right here. And here's Moses, the guy that came and, and, and rescued all them. He, listen, he didn't have to go do that. His life was okay. He came out there and risked it all to help these people get out of 400 years of slavery and, and, and the first sign of trouble, they turn on him. But, but, but let's keep going here. Verse 13. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. You do eventually reach a, a stage where it's like, you know what? You're, this is it. This will never be seen again in your life. Verse 14, the Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. That's a leader right there. You need, if you're not capable of this right here, you need a leader in your life that can calm you down. When the army's closing in on this side and the Red Sea's on this side and you want to flip out, you need to have somebody that can say, stop, calm down. The Lord himself will fight for you. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. Calm down and let God do his thing. You need that. I'm telling you, that's why you need a pastor. I'm not saying that that it's me. Maybe it is. But you need a pastor. You need some spiritual leaders in your life that when you're going through it can calm you down and make you think clearly so you don't do something stupid. Like, go surrender yourself back to the enemy and become a slave for the next 400 years. And then your children are slaves. Uh, So anyway, Moses was that leader. Let's skip down for time's sake. 
to verses 21 and 22. Verses 21 and 22. And so he gets them calmed down. Then Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the Lord opened up a path through the water with a strong east wind. The wind, listen to this, the wind blew all that night, turning the seabed into dry land. What? So the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground with walls of water on each side. Can you imagine walking through that? There's water standing hundreds of feet tall on each side, just like a wall. I mean, I, 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 I try to comprehend this. Do you see fish swimming in there? Do you, what do you see? Yeah, do you see your iPhone that you lost, you know, last May? What, there's all this, what, what do you see floating in? It's incredible. But they're walking through there, and it's completely dry ground. It's not wet. It's not muddy. They're just walking through because God made a pathway. And when God makes a pathway through the sea for you, he can make it dry ground, can he? And so here they are walking right through there. And, and, and look at this, verse 26 When all the Israelites had reached the other side, the Lord said to Moses, raise your hand over the sea again. Then the waters will rush back and cover the Egyptians and their chariots and charioteers. So as the sun began to rise, Moses raised his hand over the sea and the water rushed back into its usual place. The Egyptians tried to escape, but the Lord swept them into the sea. Then the waters returned and covered all the chariots and charioteers, the entire army of Pharaoh, of all the Egyptians who had chased the Israelites into the sea. Not a single one survived. Remember, God just promised them the Egyptians you see today, you will never see them again. This is the last straw. They've reached their limit. I'm getting ready to take them out. And it actually happened. That's incredible. And, you know, I've heard people say, I heard these atheists trying to explain the miracle of the Red Sea. Like, you know, the place where they crossed was really shallow. It was like ankle deep water. That's not that impressive. And I'm like, wait a minute, dude, this story just got even more impressive because the entire Egyptian army just drowned in ankle deep water. God is good, man. Woo. Wow. No, it wasn't ankle deep water. God literally parted the Red Sea and caused his people to go through. And then he crushed the enemy with the exact same water that he used to rescue his people. Do you see what he did right there? And so God will make a way if we won't give up. What if Moses had let the people give up when they wanted to? Do you realize how many times you or or somebody you know has given up and quit when their answer, their miracle was like this close to happening? They gave up, right? When it was that close to happening. I like something that, that Thomas Edison said. He said, many of life's failures are people who did not realize how close they were to success when they gave up. We're talking about a guy that, you know the story, tried 2,000 times to invent a light bulb. And people are like, man, give it up. It's just not your thing. This whole electricity, it ain't your thing, Tommy. Give it up. Well, not only did he invent a light bulb, he invented batteries. He invented all sorts of great stuff that we benefit greatly from today. But you know the old saying. People said, man, you've you've found 2,000 ways that uh, you, you give it up. He's like, listen, no, 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 no. I'm not a failure. I've simply found 1,999 ways that don't work. 
All I have to do is find the one way that does work, and then I'm a genius. Now, I, I got a little loose with that quote, but that's basically what he said. And so, you know, people are like, man, you've been, you've been doing this, you've been doing this. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not a failure. No, absolutely not. This is going to happen, and then you're going to be over there. You're going to look like a fool when I'm on top of the mountain, and you gave up halfway up the mountain. And, then you, and listen, don't give up. you got to stick with it. Albert Einstein, another great genius, he said, it's not that I'm so smart, it's just that I stay with problems longer than everybody else does. There it is. Hey, you don't have to be the sharpest knife in the drawer if you'll just stick with the situation. Give God time. Stick with it and watch what happens. My third thing to remind you of tonight, you already know this, is number three is that God is able. Somebody say, God is able. Romans chapter 8, let's look there real quick. Romans chapter 8, I'm going to look at verse 31 and then verse 37. Romans 8, verse 31 and then verse 37. In the King James here. My dad tells me that King James is what Paul read and preached out of, so it must be good. It was, anyway, some, he, it was translated in 1611. Paul died in like 6580. Uh, Romans 8, 31. I'm not going to share my nerdy Bible jokes with you people if you don't at least give me a courtesy laugh. I'll, I'll keep, thank you. I'll keep my jokes to myself. Cast your pearls before swine. Come on. Romans 8, verse 31. What shall we then say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Amen. Well, you know, so-and-so is mad at you. I don't care. Let him be mad. Well, you know, man, you, you, you don't talk about the devil like that. I'll talk about him all day long because I've got the name of Jesus. I am not afraid of the devil. You're looking at a guy right here that is literally not afraid of the devil. I'm not afraid of uh, none of that stuff. Why? Because I've got the name of Jesus. And if God is for me, who could be against me? Let him be against me. They're going to lose. Because God is for me. Well, how dare you say that? I'll say it all day long. I'll say it in cursive. I'll keep saying it, that God is for me. Verse 37. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Well, I, don't, I just don't feel it. I don't care if you feel it. I am more than a conqueror. It'd be great to be a conqueror. There's a lot of great conquerors in history. I mean, you got Napoleon, you got Alexander, you got all these, they're conquerors. But that's not good enough for me. That's not good enough for you because you're a daughter of God. You're a son of God. And it says right there that we are more than conquerors. I'm not just going to conquer this mountain. I'm going to do more than that. I don't know what more than that is, but I'm going to do that. And I'm going to win every single time because I always triumph in Christ Jesus, somebody say amen and praise the Lord tonight. We always triumph. Ephesians 3.20, just throw that up there. You need to know that. You need to memorize this one. Ephesians 3.20, it says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think according to the power that worketh within us. Well, I'm just someday I'm going to get that. No, you've got the power. The power to beat the situation is already on the inside of you. You've just got to get a revelation of that and tap into it. But 
God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. And so what I'm saying is God is able, but I'm going to take it one step further and tell you this tonight, that God is willing. Because it does no good to have somebody that's able if they ain't willing. Well, I mean, if my car's broke down and I come to the mechanic, and I'm like, man, could you take care of this? Oh, man, I'm well able. I've got the part sitting right there. Oh, good. Could you do it? Nah, don't feel like it. I'm not willing. No, nope. sorry. What? You mean you're totally able, capable. I've got the money, I, I, but, but, but you're not willing to fix it? No, I'm not willing. Sorry. That's a bad boat to be in right there if you're in a, if you're in a, a bad situation. But thank God. That God is not only able, he's willing. You show me one place in the four Gospels where somebody came up to Jesus with a problem and he said, it's not my will. That's a dare. I'll sh- Go ahead. Do it. You're not going to find one place where somebody came to Jesus and said, God, I'm in this. Uh, I, I, I'm suffering. I, I, I'm sick. I'm dying. My son's dying. My daughter. And, and every single time people would say, Lord, if you're willing, you could do it. One hundred percent of the time he said i'm willing you take me to your daughter right now you where's your son at well reach out right now go do that and every single time 100 percent of the time well that was them and, and and this is now well what happened to jesus christ is the same yesterday today and forever jesus changed because it's 2019 jesus didn't change if somebody changed it wasn't jesus it was you or it was whatever but Jesus didn't change because Jesus doesn't need to change. Jesus is perfect, and perfect people don't need to change. They need to stay exactly how they are. And so Jesus didn't change. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of you. And he is not only able to get you out of your situation. He's willing, and he wants to, but you have your part to do. You have to believe. You have to call upon the name of the Lord, because all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, everybody. But you've got to do your part, and you've got to call on the name of the Lord. And so, my friends, I am out of time on this fine September Wednesday evening, but I want to tell you tonight, whatever you're facing, don't quit, never give up, keep fighting the good fight of faith, and watch what God will do. Amen. Let's go ahead. Amen. Give the Lord some praise. We're going to stand up together tonight. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.